and welcome to the 30th episode of our second season and the first time we've done a show in front of a live audience. I'm Dana. And I'm Jim. Today we have a special show for you. We have a panel of women in craft beer. Super excited to have this conversation. But first, beer. So this evening here at Beer Nog in Mount Kisco, we have some beers from both Talea and Industrial Arts. Uh, we have Sun Up, which is a hazy IPA, double dry hop, with Mosaic and Idaho hops. We have Talea's Raspberry Crush, which is a goza with raspberries. Uh, and then from Industrial Arts, we have their Torque Wrench Double IPA, their state-of-the-art wheat lager, and their metric pilsner, which is one of my favorites, I'm not gonna lie, I love that beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and gracing our presence here today is Sophia from Industrial Arts, and we have the founders of Talea Beer Company, both Leanne and Tara. So welcome to the show. Thank Yay, you thank, thank you for you. coming. Thank this you is for awesome. Um, if anybody's listening and wants to do like a deeper dive into either Sophia or the ladies of Talea, going to plug her own show on the show, go back to listen to season one, episode 18, to learn more about Sophia. Go back to this season, episode 27, to learn more about Tara and Leanne. Okay. So as you all know from doing the show with me before, I like to start at the very beginning. So we're going to go back. 4,000 years ago. <laughs> in ancient Egypt, beer was produced and sold by women. When the U.S. was colonized in the 1400s, women were the brewers known as brewsters and alewives. The Industrial Revolution struck in the 1800s and men realized that business opportunities came along with the beer industry and they slowly started taking over brewing. As soon as brewing became a business, it turned into a boys club. So my first question for everybody, when you first got into the industry, did you feel like you were joining a boys club? And if so, how so? Uh, I didn't start with that one. So I, this is Tara speaking. Um, I started my journey to craft beer as a home brewer. Um, and I joined the homebrew club that was that had the most women in it, which was still probably 25%. Okay. Um, and it was a very welcoming community, which is great. But as my interest and now my professional path has become part of beer, it's definitely a boys club. And you can tell that by looking, you don't need to be in the industry to look on the shelves and see um, craft beer labeling that's clearly angling towards a male audience right. or the names of beers that are angling towards a male audience but I think that once you get on a one-on-one -on -one level with the people in the industry it's very inclusive and there's awareness that diversity is an issue whether diversity is gender or ethnicity or political views or um, you know LGBTQ community so it is a boys club, but I think the industry is ready for change and the industry is receptive and open to starting that change. Nice. Very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, I, this is Sophia from Industrialize. Um, I think I was pretty lucky when I started. I started home brewing about 10 years ago in Brazil. Um, I had been living there for a few months already and I, started doing some research and 
looked into what I would need to do to start homebrewing just as a hobby and also immediately got really interested in what the, the community aspect of it was. And there really wasn't anything. There was no, there was no culture, there was no community, there was no homebrew clubs, there was no homebrew shops, no craft beer shops or anything in Brazil at the time. So I didn't have that feeling of exclusion at the time. I was just kind of in this like twilight where I could just dream of all of the possibilities <laughs> of everything that could happen, you know? And then, Weirdly enough, in Brasilia, where I was living at the time, when we finally did manage to get together, like we, we found each other on, I think, Yahoo groups or something. Mm -hmm. um, we found about seven other people, and half of the people that were interested in homebrewing at the time were women. So it was really 50-50, which is, in the rest of my experience, has been really unusual. Yeah. But that being a jumping off point and having that experience right in the beginning kind of like set me up to believe that it was possible and I feel really lucky about that because there just wasn't that culture kind of imposing itself on us. We were just kind of creating it and doing it. And we were also really influenced by the, the European tradition a lot more than the American tradition, which I think has um, some characteristics that are a little bit more approachable for women in terms of like Belgian beers yeah. and those like the relationship with wine and having it viewing craft beer as a gourmet experience. Nice. Um, so for me, I, I'm curious if you ever had this happen to you. Uh, so I, I bartend at the Beer Navi here in Montesco. And there's also another location in Bronxville, but this is a newer location. So I feel like I don't really know more people out here, so I'm new to everybody. And I've had some, I guess, older guys, not younger, question me when I'm behind the bar. And they say, oh, do you drink beer? In my head, I'm like, dude, I'm at a craft beer bar. Like, why? Like, I'm supposed to talk to you about the beer. I like the wine. Right, right. I just drank the wine. Um, so I would say yes. And they're like, what? Really? You really drink beer? And in my head, I'm cussing them out. They're like, just smiling. Like, yeah. So then they start questioning me about beer. First of all, they don't know anything about beer, but they're questioning me. So have you ever had anybody not take you seriously or question you at all because you're a girl? <laughs> Yeah, I think we probably all. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's stereotypes for a reason. It's right. because there are so few women in the industry. Um, for us, we found that uh, that was a common response for a lot of older male investors. So we're fundraising for a jury. Yeah. So definitely more than the beer industry, older men in finance would just be like, "My wife doesn't like beer. I don't get what you're doing here. I don't see the the promise in this business model." But women are the fastest growing segment among craft beer consumers. You can see that everywhere. You can see it in the room tonight. Um, so it's definitely out there. I think just correcting them quickly or saying like, no, it's not my husband who is starting right. a brewery. Or right. when we're serving at Beer Fest and our husbands help, like people will turn to them to ask questions about the beer. And they're always like, I don't know anything about this. Like you need to ask them. And no one's, I don't think people are trying to be malicious. Yeah. I think it's just, um, 
what is common and what has been common in the past, and it'll just take time to get over that. Awesome. Sophia, have you had that happen? Because you laughed really hard when I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been an incredibly common experience for me, for sure. Um, I agree, I think it's gonna take time. I'm also hopeful. Uh, I think we're a pretty new industry and we're just kind of creating what the culture is and I'm really happy to be here on the ground floor to kind of change people's perceptions. It's the most helpful thing to me is when I'm serving at a beer festival, like, and that's definitely where I confronted the most. And the, the person that I'm with that like recognizes that I have more experience and more knowledge defers to me. And like that's just like it's just an example of like where allyship is so yeah. important. Like where you just need to have that person, you know, it's similar to like using the excuse in a bar where like if a guy is hitting on you and you say, Oh no, I have a boyfriend, they'll respect the fact that you have a man. Right. And like the and then they'll back off. If it's just that you're not interested, they'll be like, no, 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 I can convince you. Like, don't worry. Like, possibly just not interested. But like, if a man is saying it, then it has authority. So right. like, the most important thing in my experience has been when I'm serving with a guy and he's like, no, actually, you should ask Sophia about this because she has nice. the experience and she knows. And like, that to me is what's gonna change the tides. Because we can scream as much as we want about what we know, there's still that barrier. You still need to have that buy-in from the other side as well. When you were hired as employee number one at Industrial Arts Brewery, sorry, number two, number two, <laughs> the, the head, the owner, the brewer, head brewer was number one. Okay. When you were hired as employee number two at Industrial Arts, did you know how big of a dent you were going to make in the craft beer universe? God, no. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken the job if I <laughs> I always had uh, I always had big dreams and hopes, but like, um, no, if I had thought really about like what my responsibility as a woman in the craft beer industry is, if I had like really considered all of the weight of that, I think I would have been too scared to do anything. Like really I just had to like Think about the next step and what are what is the what am I just going to do to get through the week? Like when we were opening, there was so much going on. There were so many things on my mind and so many things that like needed to be taken care of immediately. That there was just no time to think about the big picture, really. And like now, I can reflect more on that and really think about what the impacts have been, um, and that's been really rewarding because at the time you're just like. It's a myopic thing. You, you can't see the forest through the trees, I think. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's switch it a little bit off of men. Women account for 29% of brewery workers today. Out of 1,700 active breweries surveyed, only 4% have a head brewer or brewmaster. 2% of the breweries have a woman as a sole owner. So do we think that women just aren't interested? Like, let's take the pressure off the men. Put it on to us. Do we not drink beer? Do we not like beer? Do we not want to brew beer? How come we think it's so low percentage women in beer? So, in across America, the breakdown of uh, male to female craft drinkers is around 70 30. 
And in more mature markets like Portland, Oregon, it's closer to 50-50. So one of our hypotheses in starting a brewery in New York City is that New York City is still in a growth phase and we believe that the market will mature to parity and in the future 50% of craft beer drinkers will be women and 50% will be men. So I think part of it is that um, beer is still thought of in a lot of markets as, a, as a, a masculine beverage. It's still a lot of men in the industry and uh, as women are educated or craft beer market expands, we'll be able to include more women in drinking, they'll express hopefully more interest in the industry. But I do think there is a gap in the leadership side of things and think that for us, a lot of that starts at the opportunities that are entry level in the beer industry and there's really a pipeline problem. So when we first started talking about Talea, we talked to a lot of brewers who we would want to poach as our head brewer. And we talked to a couple of women and a couple of men and you know, ultimately we found the best person for the job. He happens to be a man. Um, but as we move forward, if you have entry level jobs that require heavy phys physical manual labor, women or slight petite men can't, they literally cannot do that job. Like I cannot lift a half barrel keg. Yeah. It weighs 170 pounds. Yeah. Um, so part of our ethos in moving forward is if we can create more entry-level jobs and a talent development pipeline and give people the opportunity to build a career with us, we'll be able to bring more women up the ranks. And it goes back to Sophia's point about allyship and mentorship and bringing people along, which hopefully eventually will be reflected in leadership at breweries and people who feel comfortable founding an industry. because. If someone's not in that role at a brewery, you don't have any example to look up to and you know, you kind of have to do it yourself. So that's a big part of what we want to focus on once we have the bandwidth and financial stability to hire more people into our brewery. Yeah, I remember um, when I went to GABF in 2012, I believe, I was at a seminar and one of the women she wasn't even speaking. It was somebody who worked at Left Hand. And at that point, I was a home brewer. I knew that it was something that I wanted to do professionally already, so I was just kind of like in that mindset. And their lab technician said, you know, as a woman, if you want to break into the industry, what you need to do is get an education. It's the only way that you're going to get a leg up. It's the only way that you're going to be able to compete with the other candidates who have their physicality as an advantage. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I went to brewing school. I committed all of that time and that effort. And it was still hard getting an entry level position. Yeah. I still had some difficulties in, in the first in the first jobs that I get that were that were basically just for like keg washing. Yeah. You know, and it's like how fast can you move a keg? Wow. I never thought about keg washing as a job. <laughs> Somebody has to do that. Uh, so let's talk about inclusive things with women, beers without beards. That's an event that happened, I believe, August 2018. I'm not sure if it happened again this year, but it's gonna be. Did it? Okay, oops, sorry. <laughs> Did any of you go? I went in 2018. Uh, we attended as visitors, guests, customers in 2018 <laughs> um, before we had Talia. 
and then this past year we served there. Oh, that's awesome. And it was probably hands down the best beer fest we've served at in terms of the other breweries there and just the vibe of the people yeah. and the engagement with customers was great. So for people that don't know, it is the world's largest celebration of women in the beer industry. It's presented by Hop Culture Magazine. It was held in 2018 with over a thousand attendees. So that was the first year. There's over a thousand people. There were panels and tap takeovers, beer dinners. Uh, the festival included 20 plus of the best female-run breweries in the country, which I think that's amazing. Uh, Grace White, the, the head of marketing at Hop Culture, is the person that put it on. She said, while she never felt ostracized for being clean-shaven, she did feel unrecognized. And the question occurred to her, could this change and how can I help it change? So that's what made the festival come into existence. I think that's an amazing thing. I hope they do it every year. Also, the Pink Boots Society. That's something cool. Are you guys involved with that at all? Or have you spoken with anybody in that? Or any idea of how it is, how it's working? Yeah, there's a cohort in New York City that we're members of, and uh, they get together once a month. We try to make it what we can, at least one of us. Um, but it's good. I think their issue there that they're also trying to work through is you have to have over half of your income, I think, coming from the I beer think industry. It's 25%. Yeah, so there's hurt. a hurdle there, yeah. and it affects the pipeline problem we right. were talking about. So right. I think they're trying to make changes to that, which is great, but it's a, it's a good initiative for sure. So for those who don't know, the Pink Boots Society is a nonprofit organization that aims to help women all over the U.S. gain experience in the industry by hosting networking opportunities and offering scholarships. So a scholarship was them going to Germany to learn how to brew. That's amazing. <laughs> I started the New York City chapter was started by Mary Itzik. She is the co-owner of Fifth Hammer Brewery in Long Island City. And as you mentioned, you have to have 25% of your income come from the beer industry which can be from brewing or bartending or working at a distributor. So that leads into Barley's Angels, which I had never heard of. And you don't have to have a certain amount of money come from beer. You don't even have to brew. You just have to have the interest of learning about beer. So Barley's Angels is a woman-run beer education network with more than 150 chapters worldwide. No clue. I have no idea. This is started because women interested in beer could not join PBS. Uh, their launch party was held at Five Boroughs in Brooklyn. They are led by a woman that's been in hospitality for over a decade. So I think going forward, Barley's Angels and Pink Boot Society are going to try to start working together and they're having events. So they're doing things like learning how to clean beer lines and pairing food. So I think that's something great that they can do together. So any woman that just might be nervous about learning about beer, I certainly, it, I love when women come in here that don't really like beer. Like, oh, my husband told me this opened. Oh, my, my good friend really likes beer. And they come in here, but they kind of whisper, like they don't want people to hear. They're like, I don't really drink beer. Like, perfect, I love you. Like, what's your go-to drink? What's your go-to wine? What's your go-to alcohol? And they tell me, and I try to figure out their palate. Then I find a beer they're like, and I see that spark in their eye. Like. Oh, I like this. This is beer. I'm like, yes! That's my favorite thing. Right? Yeah. It's so much fun. So I'm sure like in festivals you experience that, right? Yeah, I mean I don't think festivals are the best place to like really Well there's the guy with the like the pretzel <laughs> necklace and yeah. <laughs> but I really do like those more like intimate experiences where you can actually make a connection with a person and change their mind about things because I think it's the only way that the market is gonna grow. Like 
as we open more and more breweries in New York State and in America and in the world, we can't just keep catering to the same cohort of people. Like we have to figure out how to grow this market. And I think that like there's so much insular. Like we were talking about this before the podcast. There's so much insular conversation where it's just kind of an echo chamber that people are just talking to each other and forget that there's an entire world out there of people who are potential beer drinkers that don't know it yet. They just haven't, they're intimidated and they need the education. They need somebody to kind of like have the patience to talk them through what they don't know. Right. It's, it's an intimidating subject for sure. And it takes just one person to kind of hold your hand a little bit. Why do we think it's intimidating? Like I know back in the day when they were like three main beers, they're always associated like football or whatever, but is that it? Like why do we think that beer is so intimidating to some women? And why isn't it to you? Or was it ever intimidating you and did something happen to change that? Are we talking about like Schlitz and Valentine? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the original beers. I think beyond, so as a Yes, uh, it's so uh, painful to say. As a millennial, a recovering millennial, uh, you know, I grew up with the light years in college, mm-hmm. and then when I graduated from college, um, if you wanted craft beer, it was Sierra Nevada or Lagunitas, or I thought Blue Moon was craft. Right. And I think there's a lot of stereotypes around what craft beer was, and those are still hanging on of like the super bitter West Coast IPAs yeah, yeah. or the 11 and 12 percent, you know, cacao nib <laughs> Imperial Russian right. stouts and things like that. And that is not a flavor profile that is entry level. So yeah. for us, um, we're making beers that are low in bitterness and fruit forward, whether it's actual fruit like our raspberry goza or a uh, hop profile that reads as more tropical or citrusy like our Sana Pazy IPA that's on top tonight. And that, um, when people come to us and they haven't tried our beer, we say, do you like cocktails? Do you like wine? Because yeah. we're inspired by those flavor profiles. And that's not unique to us. It's just it's part of our messaging, which not all breweries are comfortable comparing themselves to wine or cocktails. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I think, struggles with authenticity in the beer world. Mm-hmm. And for us, our authentic selves is appealing to a broader market than the existing craft beer market. So we're okay to compare to, you know, pina colada. Yeah, yeah. I think Sunup tastes like a pina colada. That's okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I also think. It's difficult for someone to go into a beer shop or a grocery store and say to an employee, oh, can you explain a little more to me about arrogant bastard or raging bitch or a sword swallower? Like, the names themselves don't lend themselves to being like, oh, yeah. That's- we're trying to, it's difficult what we're going for. We're not pandering to men and we're not pandering to women with chick beer either. Right, right. So Making good beer. So whoever likes it, come drink it. <laughs> Speaking of new space, I heard there's some cool news going on right now. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate? We don't have to. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so we, we've been fundraising since this past April, and we um, in August we had enough money to find a space to put a down payment on a deposit. 
and we signed the lease on Halloween last Yay. week. home will be in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, nice. a couple blocks south of McCarran Park. Um, so a lot of work to be done. It's a, it's a rough shape right now, but it's a great neighborhood and we can't wait to bring our vision to life. That's fantastic. Come visit. We will. Yeah, and I actually met um, these ladies earlier this week because they're in the process of shopping around their brew house and doing a lot of diligent work talking to people who actually have experiences with the different systems that, they, that they're considering. And I was really taken aback. I was thinking about, you know, as I was preparing for this podcast, what is the difference between, like, a women-led brewery versus a male-led brewery? And one thing that really struck me when they came to Industrial Arts to look at the BrowCon that we have and that we've been using for the past three and a half years is how many questions they asked and like how when there was a conversation, I think so quickly in the beer industry, like conversations can jump to a really like technical jargony place really quickly so that people can kind of like show off <laughs> how much that they know. Right. And, and I really appreciated, like I feel like the difference between having somebody come visit and talk about the brew house that was two women versus two men was like they took the time and they were like, wait, can you slow down? Can you actually explain how this works? I really want to make sure that I understand what this is. Why did you do this this way? And I think that that actually takes a lot of courage. Like it, it takes a lot of vulnerability to be able to be like, um, can you please explain this in a way yeah. that I'm going to understand because this is important to me. Right. And I'm spending I think, a lot of money on this. Yeah. 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 And I think that people end up making stupid mistakes out of pride right. and fear of asking questions. You end up steering the conversation towards things that are safe, things that you know, things that you feel comfortable talking about, and kind of just like talking louder <laughs> so that you can overcompensate for it. And rather than like actually having open, honest, vulnerable conversations about things. And that was something that really struck me meeting these yeah. ladies earlier this week. It was really cool, so I think that, you know, they're off to a good start. I'm really excited for what they're gonna do. And Sophie is a genius. So we'll continue <laughs> to ask her all the questions. I am here. Because that's another like lady positive quality is that we come from also an abundance mindset. Like we want to help each other because the more that we do things together, the bigger things are gonna get, the more momentum we're gonna get. And that's how we're gonna make yeah. shit happen. Right? So we have spoken about Pink Boot Society and all these like women focused things, so I think is amazing. Do we think that in order for us to grow more in beer with these bros, should there be more more events that invite them in? You know what I mean? Because I feel like if they just do their broy stuff and we do our stuff, it's still segregated. Which it's, I'm glad to have more women come and grow, but if we're still not doing it together, what could we do? to have the dudes meet us and be like, oh, these women are serious, they know what they're talking about. Is, is there an event we can do? Like, how, how do you make that work? 
Or do you think that's not even worth it? Like, do you think that's a good idea, or do you think that's not not something we should even be thinking about? No, I think it's definitely helpful. That, that this discussion is happening across all aspects of business. You know, in finance, people are saying you need the the male sponsors or mentors to take women under their wing to help bring them to the higher levels of the companies. Um, and the same thing Sophia was saying with a man point to her as the expert, yeah. it lends more credibility, and it's, it sucks that that's how it is, but I think, you know, Beers Without Beers um, is a great example of a place that would be great if all male brewers yeah. went and attended it as guests and yeah. got to know the female brewers and supported them. And didn't um, speak, just listen, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mansplain, right. or didn't try to explain to us what we should have changed with our beer. Right. Um, but, no, I think, like Tara was saying, the beer industry recognizes that they need to expand their consumer base, they need to be more diverse, because otherwise it's more and more breweries drinking from the same right. batch of beer, right. and that's going to put everyone out of business. Right. So, um, we, I think the support's there, but yeah, probably more events that invite everybody, invite all genders, but are focused on women would be great. We're, for our tap room, we're going to do yoga flat. We're, we're trying to bring more women to the tour. Yeah. Um, hopefully men come too. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing we've been talking about is um, looking beyond the beer industry, whether it's for inspiration or collaboration and partnerships. So this, is, this was the main theme of the Craft Brewers Conference in March this year, which is attended by about 14,000 beer professionals. Wow. Um, so we didn't even have a beer when we went. Uh, but the big topics were things like health as a trend. People are looking oh, wow. for gluten-free beers, non-alcoholic beers, beer alternatives, or integrating beer into a healthier lifestyle. And then expanding the craft beer market. No surprise there. That's why we're here and trying to get the word out that there are women in the industry. But for us, like, the people who are shopping at Whole Foods are part of our core customer group. They don't, they're not going to a beer boutique, they just wanna buy beer that yeah. goes along with whatever they're picking up for dinner that night. Um, and same thing with the partnerships we hope to foster in this space, which is like, I don't know, a pottery painting class, calligraphy, uh, family yoga, I don't know. Awesome. I, I just think that beer, as Sophia said, it's like this echo chamber of the industry just turning in on itself and everyone's collaborating with each other and they're not really looking beyond their doors. And for us, probably the most exciting collaboration beyond you know, someone like Sophia would be with uh, a different brand that's outside of the industry that can help expose us to people who don't think beer is for them. Yeah. So I think, like Leanne said, men as allies, um, expanding the craft beer market requires support from within and it requires people opening their eyes to beyond the people willing to stand in line for cam drops yeah. or uh, just wear the beer gear around. Like we need yeah. to expand to help the industry grow. Yeah, I mean I've definitely felt, been pressured into making decisions that are not women friendly just because the economics don't work yet. Yeah. It's really hard when you have a business that's open and you have to make decisions 
that you, part of you is like, well, ideally, I would make all of these like cool shirts and stuff, and like do tank tops and V-necks and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality is like, we're not at a point in the market where that's actually sellable. Like we would just have it sitting in our warehouse for for months. And as a startup, you don't have that luxury. So you kind of have to fit into what is working at the time and make small changes. And I think that's why we've seen things progress so, as slowly as they have, because we're really, like especially in New York State, we're really at the beginning of our boom. We're just getting started. You know, the laws have changed so recently that it's allowed tap rooms to serve their beers, to sell direct to the consumer. And we're just kind of seeing how that's all gonna play out. Mm -hmm. So we've had to play it safe mm -hmm. for a little bit, and I think we're just about at the stage where, where that's gonna change. So, what do you guys think about the future of beer trends? Nothing gender specific, just beer in general. We've gone through like a big IPA craze. Do you think that's gonna continue? Sours to me seem to be the new IPA. Do you think there's gonna be some different like style coming up that nobody's thought about? And you can be like, oh, remember I said it two years ago, and here we are. Dark lagers. <laughs> Do you think? Is that a love of yours? Or you just, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen. You heard it here, folks. Dark lagers, 2020. <laughs> that like roasty warmness that kind of like fulfills, like it fills your mouth in a really nice pleasant way that also has a clean finish that is repeatable, that yeah. you can drink a few of, yeah. that you wanna have, like I like drinking more when the weather's a little bit colder, like I like that warmth that it gives yes. me. So the style of beer that I want also changes a little bit, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be as refreshing, so. <laughs> Alright, Sophia's a stark lager. <laughs> Tara, what's your prediction? Um, <laughs> or your wish? I think uh, the session uh, session beers with adjuncts, so yeah. you know, in the beer industry, adjuncts is anything that's not water, yeast, hops, or, or malt. And I think that people are craving a lot of flavor, but the ability to drink volume. Yeah. Um, and That's I what think, we want too. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think like being able to sip on something, but be able to sip on a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and that plays into some of the the broader, more macro trends, like wanting to be able to go on a run the next morning or be able to drink before, during, and after you're eating dinner, mm -hmm. which is you know not an 11% cacao nib, right. whatever it is. So it's my vote. Session. <laughs> and I'll take it one step farther and go low to no alcohol. Whoa. Years. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, our head brewer would hate me for that. Um, but yeah, I think the health trend is here to stay. And I think craft beer needs to adapt to make sure it can serve all of those customers. I think there'll always be a place for higher alcohol beers. Yeah. Um, but you know, five percent, you can have a pretty tasty full-bodied beer at five percent. So seeing more in that realm and then being more inclusive, there's a lot of reasons people don't drink. Um, pregnancy, religious issue or religious beliefs, dry January, 
non-hazy November, whatever they're doing here. No juice November. <laughs> no juice November. Um, but yeah, I think it, it would be great if in every bar across the country there was a 0% beer on the menu. Because that way, like, everybody's included. There's always a group of people that come out to celebrate a birthday or whatever, and there's always yeah. somebody that doesn't like beer, somebody that only likes cider, somebody that only likes wine. Like, you have or to have to drive. Right. Or it's pregnant. Like, you, right. Like, just having that option would be great. And there's few out there, and from what I understand, they're doing incredibly well because there are few out there. And I understand it's very expensive to do well. Um, yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. But that's definitely something we want to tackle. So yeah, you... I mean, I think that's... I still feel like that is a lot of wishful thinking. Like I, I feel like people are talking about it a lot, and at least I'm not seeing it reflected in sales. Like people love double IPAs, yeah. And I think part of it is like that feeling that you're getting the most bang for your buck because like craft beer is expensive, and I see that in. <laughs> In Rockland, where our brewery is, like people are making an exception to come to our our bar rather than go to like the corner bar and get a Bud Light, and so they immediately look at the alcohol content mm -hmm. versus the price and like make an, a matrix inside of their head, and they're like, "This is this yeah. is where I get the most bang for my buck," and. I remember when I was home brewing and we would go to festivals and stuff, we would just make like the most alcoholic beer possible because <laughs> it would be the most popular. Like, that's how we would sell out. We like, it was pandering, sure, but like, we didn't care. That's what we want. Right? Like, untapped reviews are always yeah. much higher. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very so, true. Yeah. I do think that's the current consumer base, though, again. Right. And there's maybe a lot of people out there who don't want that. So. Yeah. I and mean, there's definitely people that come into a bar and say, oh, everything's like 7% and up, but there's nothing lower. So there definitely is a market for that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I do really appreciate that in the past few years, we've had a lot, in, in New York City in particular, a lot more emphasis on posting what the ABVs are. Yes. I would hate it when I could go into bars, see a bunch of beers, maybe like seven IPAs, and an IPA can range from like five to... Eight percent, yeah, and have no idea what I was right. getting into because it's not mandatory in New York State. Um, so I really appreciate that a lot of bars have been taking that initiative to to post that and inform the consumer. One hundred percent, because some of them it's very well made. It could be eight percent, but tastes like five, and you're like, oh, I had four, I'm fine. And you go to stand up and you fall on your face. Like, well, I guess I'm not going home. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, anything new coming up at any of the breweries? I know that you guys just said your exciting news. Any events coming up that you want to shout out, talk about? Well, we are working on a lot of projects in Beacon. We recently opened up um, just the first bar that we're going to have open in our new tap room space, in our new, in our new brewery in Beacon. Um, we opened up a small bar and a brew deck, and we're going to be opening up a few more bars and a huge event space upstairs that's going to be for private events, weddings, nice. and also shows it's going to be one of the largest venues in the Hudson Valley. And then we're also building a 
big old brewery behind it. Um, That's exciting. So we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up there. And we're also going to be doing Lab Fest again in Barnerville this year. Which was very Sorry, exciting. I'm really excited. <laughs> you guys are coming. Yes, yes. You're pouring. You're definitely gonna pour so, beer at the next. So, for one. those that don't know what Lab Fest is, what was Lab Fest last year? So, Lab Fest, Lab stands for Live Art and Beer, and we had um, a whole bunch of. We had about 40 breweries, mostly New York State, but we also closed our entire 14-acre pre-industrial, pre-pre-Civil War industrial complex. Um, and filled it with a bunch of different performers and artists and just had people kind of like meandering around and had like secret pop-up shows and circus things and music and lots of stuff like that and this year based on feedback from last year we're going to make it more family friendly so that people can bring their children and stuff like unfortunately Doug couldn't go last year because he couldn't get a babysitter. Oh, all right, so we're going to try to accommodate Sorry, Doug, you missed out. It was awesome. <laughs> it was <Jim> amazing. <laughs> For those that are like thinking about should I go or should I go, go. Definitely go. It was the best beer event I've ever been to. Did it. And to yeah. say that it was your first year, I can't wait for the second year. Yeah, you did a phenomenal job. Mind blowing. Yeah. When is this? What time of year? May. Nice. Yes. Well, it, was, well, it was like May 18th, 19th yeah. of this past year. So I want to thank Serena and North Westchester Moms for helping us to put this together. I want to thank Gary at Green Tops at Tops Bakery back there. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Uh, thank you all for coming again to sit with us. I'm so happy that you had fun the first time that you came back. So thank you, Sophia, Tara, and Leanne. Excited for everything coming up for you guys. If you ever want to come back and shout something else out that's going on, when you guys open your place, absolutely. Oh, yeah. When you're ready and beacon to announce whatever we're doing, we'll definitely want to come back and hang out with you guys. This is so much fun. Thank you for thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Listen, listeners, if you're thirsty for more, Jim, where can they find us? You all can listen to us on the podcast app that we record on, which is called Anchor. You can listen to us on Spreaker, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pocket Casts. You just wrote podcasts like three times on here. What do you have me reading from? Just keep going. Oh my God. Nobody listens. Overcast. (laughs) Radio Public. And Spotify. Just make things up with all of them. To everyone here at Beer Noggin Mount Kisco. Subscribe to Butt First Beer right now on your smartphones. Uh, and thank you to Doug and Brendan for letting us do this and housing us and hosting us. Thank you so much. And I apologize in advance for my wife's cackle blowing out your eardrums. But I love her. And I'll take her home with me tonight. <laughs> thank you all. You'll be hearing from us soon. Take care. Bye.